Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lost Ladies of Lit, the podcast dedicated to dusting off forgotten women writers. I'm Kim Askew here with my co-host and writing partner, Amy Helms. Hey, everyone. Today, we wanted to focus on a lost lady of Ukrainian literature. It goes without saying that Ukraine has been on all of our minds. Yes, it's heartbreaking and deeply unnerving to watch and listen to the news, and it's surreal, too. We did that episode on Virginia Cowles looking for trouble a couple months ago, and that was set in World War II, but now it suddenly feels like history is repeating itself in a sense. Yeah, and in Cowles' book, she writes in great detail about Germany's invasion of Poland and the world's reaction to it, and it feels like something similar is playing out now. I mean, Ukraine has spent centuries living in the shadow of Russia's tyranny, but you're right. It's still hard to believe what's happening. I was listening to an interview on NPR recently with the director of the Ukrainian Arts Center here in L.A., and she was talking about how the West has long just assumed that Ukraine was Russian, quote unquote, culturally, when in fact, Ukraine has always had its own language, its own identity and its own culture. But Russia and the Soviet regime has a centuries-long history of suppressing, arresting, and killing Ukrainian writers and erasing Ukraine's language, art, and cultural identity. The killing of hundreds of Ukraine's writers and artists in the 1930s under Stalin's regime is known as the Executed Renaissance, and there's an important anthology of that same name that was published in 1959, which single-handedly saved a lot of that work from that generation of writers. So we're going to link in our show notes to an article that details how that whole anthology came to be, because it's kind of an interesting story. In today's episode, we wanted to focus on one of Ukraine's best-known poets and playwrights, Larissa Kosak, who wrote under the pen name Lesya Ukrainka. Oh, good job, Kim. You actually, I think, did a pretty good pronunciation there. Thank you. Uh, For you. I know. Um, (laughs) I do want to point out to listeners that we are not experts on Ukraine's history or their literature, but we're going to do our best to talk about Ukrainka's life and work as we understand it. So she was not part of that generation known as the executed Renaissance, which I just mentioned. She lived a few decades earlier, but a little bit about her life first. She was born in 1871 in the northwestern part of Ukraine. And actually, her mother was also a writer and a political activist who wrote under the pen name Olena Pachilka. Her father was a lawyer who edited a literary journal, and they were both very involved in the Ukrainian nationalist movement. And so Ukrenka was exposed to a lot of important Ukrainian cultural figures, even in her childhood. Ukrenka's writing embodies nationalist themes, which makes sense because Ukraine was under Russian control during her lifetime. When she was a little girl, it was actually illegal to print any books in the Ukrainian language. And incidentally, she and her siblings were privately tutored rather than attending the Russian-style schools in Ukraine. So her parents were clearly attempting to counteract this Russian indoctrination. She was a very frail child who was frequently bedridden. She contracted tuberculosis at age 12, which plagued her, sadly, for the rest of her life. She suffered a great deal from it. And she had hoped to become a concert pianist, 
But her illness made this dream impossible, so instead she distracted herself by reading voraciously and learning multiple languages. She spoke 12 languages as an adult, which meant she could read a wide range of books from around the globe, and she could also translate works for a living later in adulthood. As a child, she wrote verse, and one of her first poems was actually a reaction to the politically motivated arrest of her aunt. Wow. Her mother encouraged her to submit her poetry for publication, and she did so under the pseudonym she became known for. And if you think about her pen name, Lesya Ukrenka, which means Lesya the Ukrainian woman, she's making a sort of bold proclamation about her identity, right? Because Russia banned writing in the language of Ukraine, her work actually was published across the border from Ukraine in Austro-Hungary, where there was more freedom. By her early 20s, she had published several collections of poetry. To think of this frail and sickly young woman being the person who could rally a nation with her words is really moving. Then in 1905, there was a revolution in Russia that brought a little bit more freedom to Ukraine and the ability to use their own language a little bit more freely. Two years later, in 1907, Lesia married a man who was also afflicted with tuberculosis, and her health continued to decline after she married. She had the means, though, to travel to many different countries, including Egypt and Italy, in search of a cure for her health, but all her attempts to find some relief proved fruitless. She died at the age of 43 in 1913, but not before writing the play The Forest Song, which she's well-remembered for. Yes, and Amy and I read it for this episode. It's considered a masterpiece of Ukrainian drama, and it's based on popular Ukrainian folklore. She wrote the original draft over the span of 10 to 12 days, and it was staged for the first time five years after Ukrenka's death. What did you think of the play when you first read it, Amy? I thought it was beautiful and haunting, and I kept thinking how much I would love to see it staged because it just seemed so visual. Um, In my mind, I was picturing kind of the aesthetic of, I don't know if you remember in Dead Poets Society when they put on a production of Midsummer Night's Dream and it's like that look and feel where it's very eerie and Mm -hmm. dark. If I was the artistic director, that would be the, (laughs) that would be the vibe I'd go for. I think it could be really visually very stunning. It also makes me think of Pan's Labyrinth. I think that's Guillermo del Toro, right? That's so yeah. beautiful. I love that movie. Is that kind oh of the feeling you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That like sort of otherworldly, mystical, yes. And I mentioned Midsummer Night's Dream from Dead Poet Society, but this play is very Midsummer Night's Dream. It's got all these different spirits of the forest. And even the lyricism of Ukrenka's writing is very reminiscent of Shakespeare too, I think. Definitely. Um, So I'll go ahead and summarize the plot of the play for our listeners. It's a three-act story of a forest nymph named Mavka, who is torn between her loyalty to the world of the forest and her love for a human named Lukash, who is a gifted flute player. Mavka is enchanted by the music he plays. Yeah. And so Lukash is hot and heavy for Mavka when they first meet. And although she remains hopelessly devoted to him, He eventually treats her with disdain. He moves on, basically, and takes up with this human peasant woman of his mother's choosing. Long story short, the play ends very badly for everyone, but the ending is somewhat bittersweet, and there's quite a visual at the end that's hard to shake. I don't want to give it away. 
Um, the play can be read as an eco parable about humanity's encroachment upon nature, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Amy, should we resurrect Lost Ladies of Lit Theater for this episode to give listeners a very brief little taste of this? Yeah, sure. And this, in fact, um, I feel like gives a little bit of that Shakespearean element of it. So I thought we could read the section where Rusalka, who is basically a vengeful mermaid, convinces a pair of lost babes to try to lure Lukash to his death while he is out collecting fireflies to decorate Mavka's hair. The lost babes in this case are babies who are conceived out of wedlock and then drowned by their mother because she is so ashamed. And indeed, Amavka, who is our heroine in the play, um, that kind of character is said to come from similar origins, a female infant who dies before it can be christened. So I'm going to play Rusalka, the wicked mermaid who does not like this human hottie, Lukash, skulking about in the forest, making eyes at Mavka. And Kim, I'll make it easy on you. You can just read the part of The Lost Babes. I'll do my best. (laughs) Okay. Little lost babes in the night, kindle now your lanterns bright. The lost babes show up in the reeds bearing lanterns. See there... That one who's wandering about, he's like that father who abandoned you, who ruined your dead mother, let her die. He should no longer live. You drown him then. I dare not. The forest elf forbids. But we're not strong enough. We are too small. You are tiny, light and shiny. With your lights in small hands, sure, you can foolish folk allure. Go into the rushes there where no forest elf can hear. Should he come out, put your lights out, disappear. Be like lights deceiving always or pathways. Burst out bright or reeds and rushes. Lead him into bogs and slushes. When he's slipping, send him dipping down into the deepest slime. Then I'll finish him this time. Off now, like a flash. Ooh, it's very dramatic. Yeah, and very Shakespearean, right? Totally like the the three witches or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. And actually, I was getting some just old-fashioned Disney vibes, too. Mm -hmm. I I think probably because it's a fable and it has fairy tale-like qualities to it. So, of course, I wasn't too surprised to discover that it has been made into an animated movie from a Ukrainian film studio called Animagrad. That's the name of the studio. The film is called Mavka, the Forest Song. And it was supposed to be released sometime later this year, both in Ukrainian and in English. They have a trailer out and it looks pretty faithful in terms of the different characters. But this kids movie also touches on one other aspect of the myth of the Mavka, which is that the Mavka can tickle people to death. So our girl, Ukrenka, she was basing her play on this older mythology that Ukrainians would have been quite familiar with, but I'm glad that she didn't go with the whole torture tickle stuff in her play. (laughs) She left that out. Yeah, that's good. Um, Anyway, I hope the animated film still sees its release this year. We'll go ahead and post a link to the trailer of the English language version of the movie in our show notes if you want to check it out. 
So yeah, the play is very much a parable about the devastation humans wreak upon the natural world. I've seen the word ecofeminism used in describing the forest song. Yeah, I love the word ecofeminism uh, being applied to that. Um, and there is definitely a feminist bent to the play too. I'm thinking of when Rusalka, the mermaid, gives a lovelorn Mavka some tough advice about the true nature of love. And then even the wise forest elf tells Mavka that she has done the betraying. And she's like, what do you mean? How am I the one that did the betraying? He's the one that left me. And he says, basically, you betrayed yourself. But then he adds, not all the stars are faded out for you. Behold, see what a festival is here. The maple prince has donned his golden robes. The wild rose all her wreath of corals wears, while innocence has changed to purple proud upon the cranberry whose flowers you wore when nightingales intoned your marriage song. The ancient willow in the mournful birch have put on gold and crimson, rich brocades for autumn's festival, and you alone will not cast off that beggar's garb of yours." You seem to have forgotten that no grief should ever triumph over loveliness. I mean, can we cue the Gloria Gaynor anthem, like, I will survive? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a bit of that going on in this play. Yeah. I also love the line when Mavka confronts Lukash, who has abandoned her. It's like one of those, I'm so disappointed in you moments, because she says, I'm only sad because you cannot bring your life up to the level of your soul. I thought that was a great line. That's like um, a esprit d'escalier, uh, you know, wit of the staircase. <laughs> I don't know um, what that means, but okay. Yeah, um, it's a, a French phrase, but it actually means the thing that you think of to say when you're walking away, but you always think of it too late. I probably pronounced it horribly, but yeah, that's the idea of it. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. But anyway, I also thought this would make such a terrific opera or ballet. There's something kind of Swan Lake about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think they did turn it into an opera at one point in the 50s. I remember reading that somewhere. Well, that makes sense. Um, there are a lot of monuments honoring Ukrenka, including a statue of her on a quiet street in Moscow, as well as a beautiful statue of her in Kiev. Yeah, it's interesting that she resides today in both those countries, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that are now at war. Um, and in terms of what's happening in Ukraine right now, we thought maybe we'd just let Lesia Ukrenka have the last word for today's episode. So even though she was in a lot of physical pain during her life, and she lamented the oppression of living under czarist Russian control, she did write poetry that was really hopeful. And one of her most famous poems, Contra Spemspero, is a good example of that. The title translates to Hope Against Hope. It was published in 1890, and I'll go ahead and read it because it seems like a hopeful note on which to end, given the state of the world today. Thoughts away, you heavy clouds of autumn, for now springtime comes a gleam with gold. Shall thus in grief and wailing for ill fortune all the tale of my young years be told? No, I want to smile through tears and weeping, sing my songs where evil holds its sway, hopeless a steadfast hope forever keeping, I want to live. You thoughts of grief, away. On poor sad fallow land, unused to tilling, I'll sow blossoms, brilliant in hue. I'll sow blossoms where the frost lies chilling. I'll pour bitter tears on them as dew. 
And those burning tears shall melt, dissolving all that mighty crust of ice away. Maybe blossoms will come up, unfolding, singing springtime, too, for me someday. Up the flinty steep and craggy mountain, a weighty ponderous boulder I shall raise. And bearing this dread burden, a resounding song I'll sing, a song of joyous praise. In the long, dark, ever-viewless nighttime, not one instant shall I close my eyes. I'll seek ever for the star to guide me, she that reigns bright mistress of dark skies. Yes, I'll smile indeed, through tears and weeping, sing my songs where evil holds its sway, hopeless. A steadfast hope, forever keeping, I shall live, you thoughts of grief, away.